Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. You are my fire. Number one. The one desire. Okay, number two. Believe when I say. And number three. I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't Ain't nothing nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't Ain't nothing but a mistake. Now to the goal. I ever wanna <laughs> hear you say. Everybody know. I, I want it Never try and sing in unison over Skype. <laughs> there is a delay. <laughs> uh, welcome to Saturday Draft Live 100. Uh, a great, great start to the show. I am your host, David Campbell, joined by three other hosts with the most here on Saturday Draft Live. The full team is here. Scott, how are you? Oh, after that intro, chills. Literal chills. <laughs> I love it. Jack, how's the Saturday morning going? Ah, it's going very well. I'm here, SDL 100. Where, where else would I rather be on a Saturday morning? Nowhere. Nowhere. Like, I, I genuinely couldn't think of it. Like, you're contractually obliged to be here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Dave, how are you? I'm grand. And I tell you what, the only time I sing is after I've had a drink in me. So make of that what you will. Dave, it's far too early. It's, hey, listen, have you have you seen the West End before? We have champagne breakfast all the time and it's only fitting for such an occasion today. I actually think I'd enjoy a wee champagne breakfast right now and I'm off the booze. So <laughs> what does that tell you? Um, but anyway, guys, this is Saturday Draft Live 100. We're going to do some stuff looking back at the history of this show, the history of the draft today. But we need to live firmly in the present for now. And we have... A three-way tie. Scott, there's a lot of work for you to do here. Uh, with this one, on 10 points, we have Seth Rollins, Bianca Belair, and CM Punk tying this week for thirds. Like, out of those three, who do you think is the biggest surprise to see in the top three this week? And who do you think is performing uh, the best this season? Who's going to end up with the most points out of those three by the time we get to the conclusion? In terms of, so far, who's performing the best and the surprise, I think, both of those, the answer is CM Punk, mm. because while we knew he'd be valuable going this season, I know you particularly had your questions about him as a first round pick, mm. but it's the regularity in which he's wrestling now, which has caught a lot of people maybe off guard, because uh, obviously the match with Powerhouse Hobbs, you think the thing with Team Taz is going to continue, but then immediately goes in this thing last night, winning over Daniel Garcia. He's got a match next week against Matt Seidel. There you go, there's three rampages in a row that he's competing on. He's not even had a match on Dynamite, but you got to think they're going to try and pull him out to get a big draw for Dynamite. And we've got Phil Gear in the corner. He may have a spot there. So he's doing really well. I mean, I don't know about the three of them who's going to be the have the highest score coming out of it because, you know, you've got Seth Rollins with a rematch with uh, Edge come back for a drill. I don't think he's going to win that. And so where is he going to fit into the whole thing with Survivor Series? And uh, Bianca Belair is an interesting one because she's challenging for a SmackDown title hit. At Crown Jewel, but now she's on Raw, so our season is a big old question mark as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Bianca because she sort of flirted with being a first-round pick in the draft the last couple of seasons, justified in some cases, but now are we seeing the steam start to come out of Bianca Belair when AC? But Jack, we're going to, to second this week for the scorers and we're going to team go it's Sonia Deville on 11 points now the question is this like Sonia do you think she was overlooked as one of the top female picks uh, the last couple of seasons people maybe didn't take advantage of her when they should in the earlier rounds and do you think with what we're seeing maybe a transition back to a wrestler role maybe she'll become less valuable because of that or do you think she'll stay as an authority figure what's your thoughts no I think I think her uh, authority figure days are probably probably numbered now with the, the direction that's going with Naomi. I don't see how it will it will continue, but does that raise the stock of another authority figure if Sonia Deville goes? I don't know. It's, it's left to be seen, but I think I really I really don't know. I think I, I believe the tag season, did I, did I take Sonia Deville with Ross? I can't mm-hmm. quite mind. I think there was a season that she was taking and I don't think she performed as well as what folk hoped with the, yeah. obviously the, the Adam Pierce effect. Folk were hoping that might replicate and it didn't, didn't happen. But she's also she's doing really well this season. Maybe that's part and parcel with how the draft's gone on. I don't know, but it's it's an interesting position I'd say Sonia Deville's in right now. Yeah, so I didn't keep an eye on. She's seventh overall for the season. And I had her, I think I had her last season as well, and she performed performed quite well when I got her. I think I got her in the transfer window, maybe. So it's interesting to see. Definitely a question mark in the future. But Dave, someone who's become a staple of the draft, mm-hmm. someone who is now second for the entire season, back up uh, where they belong at the top of this ranking. It's Scrap Daddy. It's Adam Pierce. <laughs> well, what yeah, do you think? The only guy Pierce? keeping. Uh, the only guy keeping Ryan Gallagher's team afloat in this season, but um, I think that I think the reason he scored so highly is because obviously we had two nights of the draft this past week uh, for Raw and SmackDown, so he made at least five appearances on both shows and a couple more on SmackDown this week with the captaincy applied. It was the numbers were only just going to rack up for for Ryan's team this week, and now because of that, he shot. Um, up to second place overall. It's it's just one of those things, you know, Adam Pierce is a consistent figure on both Raw and SmackDown and the draft, you know, is probably the most opportune time for him to capitalize on points there. But I don't think we'll ever see Scrap Daddy score that highly for the remainder of the season. He'll still get points, just not, mm. not that many. Yeah. Like, do we think that there's going to come a day when Scrap Daddy runs out? Do you, do you think that there's going to be a time where it's like, you know... You've had your run, Scrap Daddy. You've done well. You were a cute wee pick once upon a time. But w- when do we see that ending? Like, will the Adam Pierce story continue for a long time? Or do we think that people have got to be looking at Adam Pierce as a staple of the draft for seasons going forward? I think he's got to stick around until at least WrestleMania season because, you know, he's not one of those over over the top dramatic general manager type characters. You know, he's there just to sort mm. of you know, stay in the shadows behind the scenes, still make, still act as if he's making all the the big decisions when it comes to matchmaking and stuff, but he's not actively inserting himself into big program programs. He's just there to sort of, you know, make the matches essentially. And I think that's what we expect to see out of a, an authority figure, someone who could be consistently there, but not like so much all over the product that people actually start getting sick of him. I think he's yeah. going to stick around for a while. Yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting be interesting to see Scott what are you going to say I was going to say I think give it a couple of seasons we'll start to see you know 
left people kind of looking at someone like an Adam Pearce, I think. Because I think his, his glory days are starting to look behind him in the draft. He might stick around for a couple more seasons because he is the de facto kind of authority figure because WWE have kind of given up on like traditional general managers with the mm-hmm. exception of maybe William Regal there in NXT, which I don't think a lot of people really look at in the same way as a draft pick because he doesn't appear as often as Adam Pearce. But, you know, I think part of the reason I think maybe in a couple of seasons people will start to look at maybe as a lower round pick rather than a first round pick they had in the past is that I think it's the same for Sonya Deville, but, you know, Sonya's actually going to be wrestling, I think, soon with Naomi. So maybe mm. that will change. But in terms of Adam Pearce, he, if, had the WWE not chosen to have the draft at this particular point uh, in the year, then I don't think the score for Ryan's team overall and for Adam Pearce would be nearly the same. I think he'd lose quite a few points had Adam Pearce not appeared as part of the draft as many times as he did. Well, from the fifth round he came and perhaps to the fifth round he shall return. We shall see. Uh, but getting to the rankings of the table, it's, it's bad reading for Jack Graham, but he kind of knew that draft in 15. If he is in 15, two hit wonders on 57 points. Uh, go hard or go home. There's only one direction JP's going. He's 14 for 59 points. Uh, the Nicky Barden Bellas, don't you forget about them. It's Stacey on 65 points in joint 12 with Daniel Campbell, who's pretty fly for a Paul Heyman guy. Give it to me. Baby, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> 11 <laughs> points is Team Viscera uh, with 73 points, a staple of the draft. Uh, in 10th, it's Ryan Dugleish with 79 points. And I won't read out his team name because it's just too damn sad at this point. Uh, in ninth place, it's Ryan Gallagher, Northmen, Southmen, Comrades, all with 83 points. Hail, hail. Uh, Grant McRobbie <laughs> is in eighth with 89 points with the second City Saints. Um, with the first City didn't do him well in seasons past, but he's hoping for a win here. Team Historic. And it's capital errors and two exclamation marks, but my flatmate is still sleeping, so I'm not going to shout it. 92 points in joint six with the MVPs, Alan McLucas, the big dog, uh, making his return to the draft, a good season back for him. Isaac Draftham, and perhaps Scott's best team name ever, 98 points, is in fifth. And then the West End Country Club, Dave Hockney, is in fourth with 111 points. We get up to third, average more Joe, Stephen Wilson, 116.5 points. And then Top of the table, we have second team go 123 points, and then someone is first uh, with 138 points. He has a team name, he has a name. I'm not going to name it because of I have sheer bitterness uh, today. Uh, but Jack, I'm going to come to you. Looking at the top of the table just now, we are getting to the sort of latter stages of the season. Where's your cutoff point for contendership at this point? Who do you think has a realistic chance of winning? out of the top of the table and who are you going to say you know what they're probably going to remain around the sort of Europa League spots if you will but not going to be able to challenge going forward I think the the, the cut off point unfortunately for for Scott I would say it's Dave up I don't right. think that I, I mean I don't think Dave's going to challenge but I do think that like if, if you were to say kind of Who's that point in contention? Probably, pro- probably Dave is about there's like an outside bet that the, mm. the the dark horse, as you would say, you're also the main contender to to Ross. Uh, Ross, who, who, who are we talking about? Ross, fuck. What? But the the the, <laughs> the question is that obviously the Ross is a one man band here. His 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 team aside from Big E's doing shite. So can can he keep up that pace with Big E and go go forth to win that season or? Can you, a collective team, beat them? It's it's it's, an, it's it's a hard one to call the now, I think. Yeah, and it's, it makes it more interesting considering that 
uh, my captain and Ross's captain go one on one in Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I'm not confident in that, so we'll see. <laughs> see, see how things go. See how it plays out. A wee cheeky DQ would be all right for me, but um, it's going to be you know this a, a show of celebration. And every party has the moment where your drunk uncle just sort of falls down in the dance floor. And this is it, because we are going to have the Listeners League read out by Mr. David Hockney. Take it away, Dave. Yes, uh, and I tell you what, the the Listeners League is starting to take shape for the remainder of this season. But we'll, uh, we'll go straight to the top five. Fifth place, 123 points. We have Jamie Hickman and the Hollywood Dreams. His team captains, Becky Lynch, backed up with the Lucha Brothers, MJF, Orange Cassidy, John Moxley, and Nia Jax. Very much an AEW-heavy team with a consistent uh, captaincy appearances and possibly with a, a title defence at Crown Jewel. Is she going to win, though? Hard to say because she's been drafted to Raw. She's holding a SmackDown title. But Jamie's currently operating one person less with Nia Jax being put on the injured list. So I'm wondering if that's going to hamper his... Uh, his the his season from now on uh just above him on 129 points we have another jamie jamie two jamie hartley on ronnie o's struggling uh, i think this is his first appearance in the top five this season so and what's keeping him up is his captaincy is on the usos who have been making consistent appearances on smackdown and with a successful defense over the street profits at extreme rules you know that's you know bumped them up the rankings but he also has nikki cross one half of the women's tag champions cm punk and sasha banks his return is also going to help him out but miz on dancing with the stars isn't really helping him out uh you know miz is currently on zero and doesn't appear to be returning anytime soon so i'm wondering he's also operating on a a personless team at the minute but just one point ahead of him we have the Best-named person in the Listener's League, Dan Axel Jameson and the CM Drunks. Now, he's been quite a consistent person in the top five this season because he has both members of Super Brutality on his team. They just retained against Natty and Tamina, and Nicky Cross is his team captain. So quite an interesting sort of layout he's got here, and I think that's where he's going to get most of his points from. Plus, with consistent appearances from Young Bucks and John Moxley on AEW. But again, you know, it's these guys are, aren't operating at full-capacity teams because his, his fifth-round pick is also Nia Jax. So it just goes to show, you know, these guys are drafting pretty well, you know, despite being a one-person down. So, I mean, fair play to them. Next, we have friend of the show and consistent Listener's League performer Tom Brock, 137 points with Team Hamesickness. Now, what's helping him out is that CM Punk is his captain and he's consistently picking up wins on Rampage. Uh, same story with Grant. Uh, the Young Bucks is his tag team, obviously consistent appearances. Orange Cassidy getting a couple of wins here and there. And his female picks, uh, Io Shirai and Piper Niven, also getting consistent uh, wins and appearances too. So not a bad performance overall, but I think Tom's just missing that that it factor that will really bump him into the top spot. And finally, we have a firm favourite to be the series winner now, Matt Smith with Team Booty Woes, miles ahead on 174 points. And it's got to be down to having Big E as his team captain. And with possibly another title defence coming up at Crown Jewel, Matt could just extend his lead even further. That backed up with his two strong female picks of Raquel Gonzalez and Neil Shirai on NXT, who are teaming up to face Toxic Attraction next week. So that could be potentially some more points uh, there. Plus, Young Bucks and John Moxley, you start to see a trend here with the AEW picks, uh, consistently appearing on AEW. And the outside bet, Ridge Holland, who has just been drafted to SmackDown, maybe a fresh change of scenery will do him some good. So Matt's definitely looking in a brilliant position right now. And if Big E peeps up picking up wins for him, he's only going to stretch his lead and eventually become the, the Listener's League winner this season. So uh, back to you, Go. 
very loose definition of friend of the show when it comes to Tom Brock. I'd maybe push to acquaintance of the programming. Um, but regardless, <laughs> I, All right, I, stand out. I have recently found out that Matt Smith is a friend of Gary Kernahan, so I am now invested in the Listeners League and welcome Doctor Who to join us next season in the draft. <laughs> It'll be wonderful. But we are here to celebrate Saturday Draft Live 100 and it is brilliant for a show that started on a doomed Patreon page that we're still going here on the main feeds. Um, it's been quite the journey, uh, but there's a couple of questions I wanted to put to my fellow hosts, to my fellow, fellow luminaries of the draft here today. Uh, and we're going to start off with the guy who's been here since day one is why, and that's Scott McLeod. <laughs> Scott, you've seen every season you've seen too much some would say who do you uh, think what do you think is the best draft pick of all time what are you going for oh oh a loaded question um, <laughs> do I be a smart person pick one of my own I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no don't pick someone else no, no, don't pick one of your own pick, someone else might pick one of yours maybe maybe and then just what the single as then a draft pick for a single season or for single a, season die because if it's overall we're looking at your Drews, your Sefs, your Baileys, but your your single season pick. Well, I think I may want to go for Bailey because all, even though Bailey was an overall like, across many seasons, like in the history of the draft, like a great pick. I don't think any of us could have foreseen the success she'd have in like season five, mm-hmm. particularly regularly defending that one at SmackDown title, multiple defeat. Winning the tag titles and multiple defences to that alongside Sasha popping up on every bloody show in the height of the Performance Centre era. I, I think it was that's a case of a pick that's already got a solid foundation and just going with Kevin Green to say, to the moon. <laughs> 100% and you look at Bailey, 246 points in season 5, it's by, it's by far... Uh, the record picked round one by Stephen, uh, and she's still even with a, season, a few quiet seasons just passed and an injury currently. She's still the second overall all-time draft pick uh, with five hundred and five points. So it shows how the strength of a couple of seasons of Bailey, and uh, she's led people to victories in this draft. So I think when she comes back, it'll be interesting to see where she goes and who picks her up. But Jack, I'll come to you. Same question: best draft pick of all time, your favourite draft pick of all time, perhaps. Uh, I, I was going to say uh, Bailey for season five. I think that that was uh, an unreal amount of points. We'll probably never see anyone eclipse again. But I'll go. I'll go something different. I'll go to a recent season of uh, season eight, and I'll go for the the Goat Tones tag team of Nia and Shayna. I think, oh. it's, the, the, <laughs> I think it's, it's probably the, one of the 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 it's the highest ranked tag teams we've ever seen. It's, I, I don't think I'd ever imagined like a, a tag team. Like, I think we've seen some getting over like a hundred points before, but even at the point of like 127, it's up near competing with the the best scorers of all time in a single season. I think it's it's hard to discount how how good an effect that tag team had on that tag season. Yeah, a hundred percent. You you look at the nearest tag team contender. Um, it comes down to someone else might pick. It was like Gary with a very innovative, innovative oh, easy for me to say, innovative <laughs> pick at uh, number two, one hundred and ten points. So seventeen points uh, separate the top tag pick and Nyan Chena from their number two counterparts there from Gary. But Dave, do you have a different pick to to throw at us here? I'm annoyed because Jack actually picked the one I was going to pick because Nyan Chena were a. Uh a very underrated uh, surprise winner. And I'm tempted to, you know, to pick maybe Drew from, you know, season six or uh, most recently season nine. But I'm going to, 
I'm going to go for the one that I'm actually still eating my hat over, and that was Stephen picking Apollo Crews in season five, where he really wow. started to sort of come into his own with, you know, the United States title wins. And, you know, this was, you know, the start of the pandemic. And he ended up scoring 17 and a half points. And he truly, truly, you know, sort of broke out a performance that I don't think any of us expected uh, to pull off. So, I mean, fair play to Stephen. You know, he absolutely had that season in the bag from start to finish with Bailey being his captain, essentially. But Apollo Cruz was a very strong second uh, for that season in particular. And he actually ranks uh, pretty highly in one of the top scorers overall. I think he's sixth best uh, out of any singles pick in the draft over any season. So certainly one that's vastly underrated, but I think it's worth mentioning. For one, it was one I initially laughed at, but it, you know, it just proved proved me wrong I on mean, a grand all, scale. We all have those moments, Dave, uh, where yeah. we sit in this show and laugh at things, you know, Scott, what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, we all kind of thought, oh, all right, I think, because he wasn't a, a first round pick, he was like third, maybe, round fourth pick. Round, fourth, fourth round. Fourth, fourth, fourth round, yeah. Fourth, yeah. Yeah, and, and considering, like, at that point where how he'd been bitted, probably was fitting for someone like a poker to be around at the fourth round. But like we were like, oh, all right, you know, somebody on the undercard maybe will get the odd win here and there because we knew he had like a money in the bank qualifying match going up at that point that he was bound to win. So oh, all right, but Dave's just laughing and we're like, oh, all right, we didn't expect that reaction. And then yeah, like you said, uh, he just made Dave eat his words. And then Dave, I believe, the next season tried to pick up all the good drive replicate that success. And then the night before the season started at Payback, which wasn't counted, he loses the US title to Bobby Lashley and has, <laughs> I think, the opposite performance of a season. To yeah. the season he had before. 100%. And it's, a, it's a great pick from Stephen. I think it comes from the fact how good it is, but how unexpected it was. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like people yeah. laughing at it. But he's, only, he's the third highest fourth round draft pick of all time. Uh, Alan picking Cody in season five eclipses him 109 points, which was a, a steal back then. I remember. And it's actually a very recent one that takes the spot for uh, the top fourth round draft pick of all time. It's Gary in season nine with, with Big Tony. A big tone dog, Tony Schiavone, who put the captaincy on at one point. You remember Dark Elevation counted and stuff like that. You know, so that was a that was a huge season for Gary there. But uh, Dave, we need to go to the opposite side of the coin. We need to talk mm-hmm. about the worst uh, draft picks of all time, the ones that you are right f- right for laughing at. You know, not your Apollo Cruises, but uh, perhaps uh, other tag teams of NXT will <laughs> come to mind. But Dave, who's your pick? Worst draft pick of all time? Uh, you know what? I wasn't going to go for it because it was too obvious, but I have to say it. It's Ryan Gallagher with Indus share. Like, <laughs> just when you thought, I mean, at the time, it sounded like a decent pick, but then, I don't know, something happened backstage and they both got took off TV for some reason and they ended up scoring a big fat zero that season because I don't know, did they leak a result or something? I, I can't quite remember, but either way, they were taken off screen immediately as soon as they were drafted and, you know, they didn't do Ryan any favours whatsoever. So, unfortunately, that goes down as one of the worst. But he's not great at picking tag teams overall, if we're being serious. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you got the, the blondes, the, what are they called? The, 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 the pretty people? deadly. The pretty deadly. <laughs> were you thinking not, varsity blondes? Yeah, I can remember that. That's AEW. So much, so much I pay attention to NXT UK. But you are right. And there is something to be said. Look, look at myself and Ryan Gallagher like, and other people present here today. We are outspoken about the draft and you, you get into it. It is funnier when you're the one who fails drastically. So I think that's what brings this pick as infamy as the fact that happened to Ryan. But Jack, do you have an arse out for, for worst draft pick of all time? 
Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll actually go to to myself for. Oh God, I know what's coming for this one. <laughs> uh, it's probably not the one you you think of. It's probably it's probably the one that I'm I'm hurt by the most. It was a uh, Rowan. In, ah. <laughs> uh, last last year, this is after he brought that he had this big huge spider thing, and he just went on like a ten week spree of like beating jobbers in like thirty seconds, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to be able to get this. I'm going to get stupid three points each week, just tying folk. And as soon as the points began, off TV, he was gone. Yeah, away. So it was it was it was hamper. I got he got one point for when he revealed <laughs> it was in that cage with a stupid spider. There was, no, there, was no, there was nothing else to it, and that was and that was it. <laughs> that was actually quite funny because I forgot about that because I think the problem was I mocked you all of that season for the ricochet pick, so I completely the own pick slipped under the radar for me. Oh, the season four. It was a bit of a disaster at times uh, for Mister Jack Graham, but uh, Rowan's a good pick. Uh, Scott, who's your pick? Worst draft pick of all time. I was I was between a couple. I, I've been two picks. Uh, one of them is my own, and one of them is someone else's. And I'm, I'm between, you know, whether I want to admit my own failures or just point out somebody else's. You I'll know, somebody else's failure. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> uh, I believe it was another Ryan pick, Ryan Gallagher pick. So before, you know, he teamed with you, uh, David. He clearly had some things he had to learn. You know how to properly make, you know, form a decent team. Mm. You remember when he, he was convinced in season six that Charlotte Flair was coming back? At any point during that season, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, one of the only, one of the only picks in draft history to go through an entire season with a big fat zero. I mean, Becky would have got the same last year had she not made a miraculous appearance at SummerSlam, even though it was too late by that point. But still, like mm. one of the only picks to go through an entire season with zero points. Yeah, and I think, and then in fact, I think somebody picked her the next season, and we all thought it's going to be more of the same. She'll go back till next year, and then she came back midway through season seven. A hundred percent. And the worst thing about it was that whenever someone takes these risks, it's usually in a later round. Ryan picked Charlotte Flair round two. Like oh. his round two draft pick got zero points for the season. I do you know what I'm just happy about? I'm happy no one said the golden role model, so we'll move on from there. Oh, I forgot um, about that. <laughs> that that whole <laughs> <laughs> I mean, David, I've, I've said I said enough about that when it happened and since it happened, so I don't think I've got anything more to say about that. I was completely mocked, and, and rightfully so. Um, but Jack, we're coming to the most surprising draft pick of all time. What was the biggest shocker, the biggest innovator, the one that, that sort of caught you off guard, caught you by surprise? What do you think? Uh, I'm stuck between two. I believe they both happened in the same season, but I'll go I'll go the, the, the singles pick. And for me, it was Ross taking Stina Vega. Nice. Like that that set a new precedence on the kind of folk we could draft and where we can get points from that isn't wrestlers trying to pick up wins. This is a, a someone in your fifth round to try and anchor solidify so appearance points and so it's a consistent points get. It may not be a, your best. Obviously, we've seen in future seasons that they have turned out to be our best. But the whole point of that was to prop up a few points each week. And it was I think that was one of the best innovations of the draft that Ross has been able to probably have influence and including in this whole draft for future seasons but, and, and yeah I, I, I would say Selena Vega is the one that started it all because from, from that point it allowed me to draft Paul Heyman because I wouldn't have had that in my head to do that if Selena Vega never happened first 
Yeah, hundred percent. It did have a domino effect in the draft, and I think that in the history books, it's hampered by the fact it was second round. Like he took her so high because it was a good second round pick, but I mean she's like the eleventh highest scoring second round pick of all time. When really the impact of it, like you see, is a lot bigger than just like record books or, or top in that particular chart. Like that was a that was a huge huge innovation from Ross there. And I remember it was the only season I wasn't a part of, and I was listening to the podcast in my car, like the draft, and when I heard he picked Vega, I was like. Oh, that's interesting. Probably shouldn't have left the draft. That sounds fun, to be fair. <laughs> uh, but Scott, your most surprising pick of all time. I'm going to go similar to what uh, Jack said because it kind of set a wee bit of a precedent going forward. And other season, I think you may have mentioned someone uh, that guy did, but before he made the pick, I was like, the like, guy started the whole Heyman and Reigns as a team, but before that, I believe it was season 60, for the first time he picked Lashley and MVP. As a tag team, and I remember at the time we did the heart business, and we we're like, "Oh, who, who's it, who are you picking in this part of the heart business? Is it, is it MVP and Shelton?" Because it made sense because I think everybody thought Lash was going to go very highly as a, a singles pick because we all knew he was going to win the US title. And like, "Oh no, my fuck!" He said, "I'm going to pick MVP and Lashley." And we we're like, "Oh, all right, we're a bit, we're, I think we were questioning uh, that pick, and then they ended up working it because also they're always together. I think you had them again in season seven, and then knowing that people would want them as a team." He switched it up in season eight to go to Heyman and Reigns, and then that started a precedent, you know, where those were Flashley MVP and Heyman and Reigns became, you know, valuable picks, but also then started people picking, like, so I think Sarah then picked uh, Omega and Don Callis and everything. So you know, the idea of, like, wrestler slash manager or, you know, somebody who's always associated with them in like, a faction being put together as a tag team was really elevated by Gary picking the heart business back in season five. And even though he didn't get points for like Lashley, like defend the title or singles matches, I can't remember how many points they got in seasons. But they scored very highly in season six. They did. They're actually the second highest tag team score of all time from the performance in season six. 110 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got. I see. So it was. It was one of those things we talk about the innovation as Lena Vega. This was also innovative, but it was also a massive point scorer. And like Gary is always. This season has been his best, but we've talked about he's always up there with contenders. And it's because he tries to. He always tries something new. He always tries something fresh. He's got a bit of a reputation for that in the draft. So it's always always keen to watch Gary Kernan and draft day to see what he has up his sleeve. But Dave, do you have any other shouts? A surprising draft pick, one that caught you off guard? Um, see, that's the thing. I think Lashley MVP was also probably one of the best ones that we've seen, and it obviously set a precedence going forward. But out of all the ones I'm looking at, I think I have to actually, one of them is actually one of my picks. But oh, here I, we go. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, it was actually my fifth round pick from season five, Angel Garza. And yeah. the, as of today, he is the highest scoring fifth round pick of the entire draft season, beating Randy Orton by just six points from Ryan in season nine. And obviously now season five, you know, was uh, is a longer season given it's WrestleMania to SummerSlam. But mm-hmm. again, this was, you know, uh, early days of the pandemic. And, you know, I think it was also the same season that, uh, or maybe the season afterwards, Alina Vega got picked. Mm-hmm. And her sort of stable with Andrade, Austin Theory, and Angel Garza were making quite a bit of uh, momentum. So I picked the the fourth member, you know, hoping just, you know, just for a bit of extra support. And lo and behold, he ended up being my highest scorer of my entire team in season five. So, and even I was shocked by, you know, how, how highly Angel Garza was scoring because he made consistent appearances. He was in title matches and he didn't lose that many matches either. So, yeah, I've got to say... This one genuinely surprised me, even though I was the one that picked him. 
Not enough people say lo and behold anymore. What a, what a phrase. I was quite <laughs> caught off guard by that. I was like, lo and behold, what fantastic. I'm going to use that more. Um, <laughs> final big question for today. It's time for, we tear egos down in this show a lot of the time. And we make no apologies for it because we need to call people out in their bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of the job and it's, it's part of my fun. It's, it wakes me up with a, a lot of uh, grotesque negativity on a Saturday morning. It's always something that's good to start the day with, like a morning coffee. But Dave, <laughs> looking at the entire rest of the field in the draft and the draft history, not necessarily who you think is the best or or the most skillful, but who is your favourite drafter of all time? Whether it be like what they bring on a, on a draft day, whether it's strategy, whether it's what they say behind the scenes, like who's who's your favourite competitor in the league? Uh, see, that's a tricky one because everybody's sort of got their own unique traits and strategy when it comes to handling the draft. And in some cases, you know, some work better than others. Uh, but my favourite drafter has actually got to be Ross. Because, really? yeah, well, let me explain. Because there are so many times where he goes into this draft thinking he's got it in the bag. And sure, he starts off well with a sprint, but then he consistently falls down the table. But it's taken him 10 seasons now to really get in a position where he could potentially win. Like, he always seems to pick a good team. It's just luck never seems to be on his side. And, you know, whenever we have him as a guest on, he always defends his team, you know, to the to the very end. And he justifies it, not just by bigging up his own team, but sort of simultaneously breaking down everybody else's. So I think he's got a a good sort of mindset when it comes to, you know, what constitutes as a winning team and knows how to get inside the head of his opponents. But again, it's just it's just let down by, you know, either pomp and circumstance or just a little bit of bad luck. But. I think this time around, he's finally got a strategy that works, you know, capitalizing on Big E's money in the bank contract. And he's now in a position where, you know, 10th season or 10th big season where the the winner wins the championship. Imagine if this is the one where he actually wins it and actually gets the title in one swift, swift move. Oh, I agree with you. Ross is a great talker, but he's only actually picked his team fifty percent of the time when he chooses <laughs> to show up. Yeah, that's, exactly. what, that's, that's what makes him stand out. You know, he picks his team in like... Un, in an unconventional way like he doesn't even have to be there and he's oh. I don't think I've ever recall him finishing last in any season either straight white male privilege eh Jack what's your answer <laughs> to the question um, my my favourite my favourite drafter ever I am I'm stuck between two and I'm looking through the the, the different kind of past wins and I think for my my ah uh, Scott, lovely. Oh, why you. Scott? Why Scott? Calling out your your fellow host here because I think I say aside for like what I mean. My memory serves me wrong, and no doubt when Stevens listens to this episode, he'll point out wherever we've got everything fucking wrong in this. <laughs> but uh, if memory serves me, I think there's only one season where Scott's played pretty poor, and he's always been in amongst it each time and I feel that Scott probably has one of the better brains one of the better heads in regards to the draft apart from the season where he kind of didn't give a fuck and just drafted to it like he wanted just for the sake of it but I think like tactically I think I I, I can't see past Scott as being one of my favourites and probably one of the best ever to do this he's always a worry like see whenever Scott it doesn't actually matter where he's drafting and I think that's proved with the Rebiro pick today 
because I know that he'll capitalise on where everyone else has forgotten about something. And it's always scary to me, you know, because we think we come on here and the four of us know it well. But then Scott always has these these tricks up his sleeve and it's either a big swing where he's going to win or he's going to come second, he's going to contend. Or there'll be the seasons, like you say, where, where Scott, you yourself will admit, you, you take the swing and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily pay off. But I think I think Scott's a good shout. Scott, you could say Jack to return the favour, but you're not obliged to. Like, who are you going to say for, the, <laughs> for, this, for this pick? Yeah. But I could say that, but Jack, if you don't mind saying, has had some truly really horrible seasons. This one included your bottom of 15. <laughs> Come on, like. ah, it's unfortunate. You know, the, the Mansour and Ali dream is dead, unfortunately, when they've, they've drafted them singly and says a tag team to SmackDown. Yeah. They're not going to they're not gonna beat the Usos at Bloody Saturday. It was just right. that one. And, uh, it's, uh, and, uh, sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm getting angry. See, Rest in peace. <laughs> to the like, <laughs> I mean, I'm the same. You know, I was hoping for Liv to go all the way and kick me in the ring, but that's not happening. Fairly. But uh, yeah, I think with the exception of like the first couple of seasons where I was still figuring out how the fuck this draft even worked, yeah, season nine was probably my worst performance and I, I admitted that at the time and I learned finally what it took to win a draft is to make a deal with somebody and immediately go back on that deal and steal a tag team right out from under them. <laughs> Don't tell us not talk about Miz and Morrison, still a horrible moment. It's in a video package for Quiz Showdown for crying out loud. Oh, what it. a day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was also between two, uh, and although, and I'm gonna, and I think David is gonna say one of the people that I'm gonna talk, I was gonna mention, so I'll go with the other and actually say David Campbell, because oh. you got, I mean, you won the first ever season of the draft, and then also it took you a while, but then eventually, as part of the tag team season, first ever tag team winner alongside Ryan Gallagher. But I think even when you do poorly, much even more so than Ross does, that uh, Ryan's, as uh, uh, Dave said of him, you will defend any decision, any. <laughs> that there's always a plan with you. Even when the golden role models, uh, you know, exploded, you know, every single opportunity you'd, you had, you were explaining why it wasn't a bad pick. There's always some sort of strategy with you. There's always. Some, that's why I always look for even if your team's doing well or doing poorly, I always look forward to hear what you're going to say about it because there's always some sort of justification behind it. Oh, of course, and that does come from getting the opportunity to to spout my propaganda on this show. It's all it's all fun. Um, obviously, we've got to mention our fellow host Dave Hockney, winner in season three. Someone has to mention. Stephen Wilson, two-time draft winner, great performance in season two, two of the most dominant wins of all time um, outside of Jack's win from last season, Stephen's had, so it'd be a miss not to mention Stephen, talked about Gary's innovation, talk about Grant, best median score of all time, I don't actually know how that works out. But it is true. <laughs> Don't ask me how, but it's the case. Um, but the, truly, the the one person that we need to be talking about is is Stacey Smith, because <laughs> Stacey brings to this draft something that no one else does, and that's a sheer level of of fuckery. Um, <laughs> and, 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 
I'm just not caring really. Um, <laughs> just half the time people are picking the picks for her. And I and I appreciate that. You need a Stacey a wild card in the draft. And the day that Stacey wins this thing, if that day ever comes, will be the greatest day in the history of the draft. So that's that's what I wanted to say there. We did have um people tune in celebrating a uh, hundred episodes of Saturday Draft Live. Uh, Ryan Gallagher agrees, Indu Share is the worst draft pick of all time. And it got four <laughs> laughing faces, and deservingly so uh, when he said that in the chat um sarah says becky lynch last season uh can <laughs> jointly burning both myself and her um I'm, <laughs> because I'm, i did manage to trade away uh becky lynch at that point um we've got grant says worst end share by a mile still kills me uh dave you said the most shocking at the time was derek picking eo shirai at number one mm. uh which is something derek his loan season he did try uh, Grant said his favourite drafter isn't in this season. It is the darkness. Uh, it's his favourite. <laughs> a gimmick so bad I could have killed an animal live and still been over. Um, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. Uh, Ross sent in his full rundown. He says best trapping of all time for himself. It's Biggie this season. Uh, he says for another. It's Bailey uh, for Stephen. He uh, said, worst draft pick of all time for himself, it's Johnny Gargano, he got injured early on Mysterio, and for others, it's Gary's entire team in the Royal Rumble 2020 season, um, or the WrestleMania 36 season, or Scott, who thought Drew would win King of the Ring and then got injured uh, like a weekend, mm-hmm. um, which was which a tough one. He agrees that Zelina Vega is the most shocking pick ever, as it opened the possibilities of other managers and commentators. Why don't you just wank yourself off when you're at it? Um, and he also says the big risk this season, like Adam Cole, Brown Danielson and CM Punk, have so far paid off. And he said his, his favourite drafter is anyone who isn't David Campbell, um, as the rest of the Saturday Draft Live crew tend to call it down the middle. I have no idea what you mean by that, you prick. Uh, Stephen Wilson uh, is sent in his picks. He said the best draft pick of all time is Cody for Allen in Season 5. Outside bet there, but I like it. It says worst draft pick of all time, Charlotte for Ryan season six, as we talked about. He names Lashley and MVPs and the most shocking pick of all time. And he says his favourite fellow drafter is me, is I just live the game. And to which I wonder what Stephen Wilson wants me to do, um, because that's that's far too nice of him to say. Um you know, and Sarah says that she says that the most shocking pick is Indu Share. Daniel Campbell says best pick is Bailey. Worst pick, Velveteen Dream. Let's talk about that, Dave, if you want. Uh, please don't. Uh, shocking oh. is Miss Morrison season four. <laughs> what was your team name, um, Dave? What was your team name? Uh, oh, yeah, the, the Quarantine Dream. The Nonsense was his team name. Uh, it was shocking pick is Mrs. Morrison in season four. He uh, says his favourite fellow drafter is Scott McLeod, the king of the sass and the, the king of SDL here since day one. Ryan Gallagher, in traditional Ryan Gallagher fashion, says the best draft pick is stra- Scrap Daddy. He puts worst uh, three wee dots because we all know uh, what he thinks. He also says Scrap Daddy for the most shocking pick. And he, he sends a wee emoji of a goat for his favourite drafter of all time. So it must be must be talking about me. And Stacey says her favourite bit of being part of the draft is the one week she was winning, uh, which I think is everyone's favourite uh, part of the draft ever. Um, and long, long may it continue, but um, just to round us off here, guys, uh, we're going to say goodbye, but Dave, what, what what have you enjoyed most about being part of Saturday Draft Live as we hit our 100th episode here in the network? Probably just getting to use my analytical insight in such a an entertaining capacity because we're all fans of the of the graps wwe aw and everything else in between and you know just being able to sort of break down performances and points etc you know with uh, a great great group of guys it's um it certainly makes my saturdays that little bit more entertaining you know being able to you know just sit behind a mic and 
you know, really take a deep dive into individual superstar performances. And, you know, we just make a competition out of it because, I mean, who doesn't love a bit of competition? Oh, certainly I do. Uh, Jack, what about yourself? What have you enjoyed most about being part of this historic programme? I think I think for me I've I've taken great uh, great pleasure and and joy out of hosting the, the the recent kickoff shows that we've done for the actual draft, hosting it on the on the live stream and uh, getting everyone involved, folk appearing on camera, getting bringing the wheel involved, being implementing changes Aww. to the kickoff and how we do the draft. I feel that I've maybe had some sort of influence in how the kickoff show kind of goes now, and I, I like to have that. But aside for that, I'd probably say. The kickoff for for season four when we all got to be in the same room and doing it and videoing it and Scott got his lovely arse crack out. It was it was great. <laughs> that was a Scott's arse crack as a character uh, in the <laughs> live in itself. Uh, but Scott, you've been here started this like we said on the field Patreon page. I don't know why I keep calling the field Patreon. That's so mean. Uh, and then we had it in the field extra feed. But now we're on the main feed of ESSR. What what do you what do you love the most about uh, being the cornerstone, the cornerstone of Saturday? I do that Can I just say, by the way, you get my arse crack and we are even behind a paywall at that point, so you know, keep yourselves lucky, you've never seen that arse crack since you've got to pay for it now. <laughs> <laughs> Only so, fans. Also, can I say, uh, yeah, well, I thought, the other person I thought you were going to pick when I said oh, I wasn't going to pick this person, I thought you were going to pick, and I thought you were going to say Gaddy, when you were talking about like favourite drafters all the time, because I know he's not yeah. won one, but you just got to love the confidence of Gaddy at his team, because he's one of the only people I think has never really transferred anybody. Across yeah. two transfer windows, and he always says the comments, even when his team doesn't do as well as you'd, you'd hope. Like, and I think even when he, he and Grant somehow made a team that shouldn't have worked, but they might say become like your biggest threat in the tag team season. Oh, 100%. But they couldn't, they couldn't compete with myself and Ryan Gallagher, who really is the, the, the rightful pick for greatest drafter of all time. <laughs> for me, I mean, a close second is the kickoff shows, because even the seasons I've won, I always think. The draft really goes downhill after the selection show because uh, mm-hmm. that's where it's the most tense and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, even though also it's fun doing it the way we have been doing it the last couple of seasons, I, I, my hope is for at some point in the next couple of seasons to have another selection show where we can all be in the same room because, you know, that feeling of, you know, everybody getting angry because somebody's picked their pick before them and that tension. Otherwise, wouldn't have it. Would have been <laughs> the same if I'd same seen David Campbell's reaction to me stealing Mids and Morrison if oh. I'd been over Zoom. Oh, Darn. The rare, Rip, the rare Ripley selection when uh, everybody assumed I was going to choose Adam Cole. I was I was fine with most people taking picks like because I didn't want, and then you can just catch me going fuck when I, when Stephen took Jericho that season, but he <laughs> lost he lost the AEW title that season, so it wasn't actually a loss for yeah. me. Uh, can, I t- can I tell you as well, like watching the 2020 Royal Rumble, I obviously had the draft in my mind, but obviously I'd you know being a Scotsman, you know, wanted Drew to win the Rumble. Like watching Drew win. And, you know, not only win the sweep, the draft and see a fellow Scotsman win the Royal Rumble that night. I can honestly say that was the happiest I felt in years. Like it was that that much, you know, the excitement, the emotion of it. That's the sort of thing that makes you really happy to be a wrestling fan. And with the draft on in the background, it's um, it's one of those things where, you know, it's one of those reminders of why why we get involved in, in this sort of capacity when it comes to the wrestling because you want the emotion you want the happiness you want the excitement but you also want to win i mean that's uh that's yeah. just the, the spirit of the competition and i was flabbergasted when i look back and i found both royal rumble winners in season three like it was 
it's just one of those. I mean, sure, my competition brain was working, but by the end of the night, I didn't care. You know, I, I was just happy that you know that Drew won. Mm. Like, I think for me, before I say the my favorite part of the the draft, I think my least favorite part of this whole thing has been the fact that I'm the, probably the only person that's picked Drew McIntyre and not gotten the benefit of it. <laughs> I got I mean, his absolute worst. I mean, and, Drew has been on a winning team three times, along with Adam Cole, Alexa Bliss, and Bailey. So they they go down as arguably the best four draft performers of all time. I think Big E's been on a few draft winning teams because I had him uh, just one seven. I haven't seen seven. He could be on a second one if Ross wins. But yeah, for me, I think the best part is just getting to record this every Saturday and just not giving a fuck. I will say <laughs> what I think about the draft. I'll say what I think about how my team's performing, how other people teams are performing, and I think the height of that was like season. F- like peak of season five, where we knew no one was going to get saved. So I think we, we, Jack and Dave, we just said whatever the fuck we wanted, even though that may have upset some people. But you know what? Like when when you host, you get your own show, you can say whatever you want. But mm. like I said, like we call it, it's all fair, like called in the middle. But when something's shite, you have to it shite. And also, you know, you have to play it up a little bit. You know, have, have a laugh. You know, don't, if I say your team's shite, don't take it too personally. Yeah, 100%. I get that. And it comes down to the big announcement. I want to make it the end of this show. Unfortunately, I will be retiring um, from the draft. Today. And I'm getting on. Don't get so <laughs> I'm going to say fucking Terry Funk. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to retire again. But anyway, thank you very much for listening to Saturday Draft Live 100. We've got the full panel. Thanks you. Stephen, thanks you. My mother, thanks you. Um, we will be back next week to break down all the draft action as usual. Don't forget, you can check out our feature shows on a Tuesday. You can check out Central on a Thursday with Sexy John. And you can check out all our YouTube content uh, from Daniel Campbell and the team over there. So it's goodbye from me and from the rest of the guys goodbye Bye. yeah you are my fire the one desire believe when I say I want it that way But we are two worlds apart Can't reach to your heart When you say that I want it that way Tell me